Blog Talk Radio. I recently quit my job and took on a new venture in life. Welcome to Music from People I Know, where I catch up with friends, past and present, and talk about our music, inspiration, and passions. With a 15-year professional career in the music industry, I have met a lot of cool and interesting people. I'm here to share our stories. <clears throat> All right, everyone. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Um, today, my guest is John Paul TK. He grew up with me out in uh, California and has since moved out here to uh, Western Colorado. Um, we do play music together and do a lot of different things. We haven't jammed in a while, but nothing to say that that won't happen again anytime. Um, but yeah, so welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So what what was like, you, when you were a kid, dude, I know this was like pivotal for you. Stevie Ray Vaughan, what was it like when you heard him? What happened? Well, I got introduced to Stevie Ray Vaughan um, by my first guitar teacher. He told me um, that Stevie was the guy. And uh, so I believed him and I kind of got immersed um, some of the standards I learned were like Riviera Paradise and Lenny and all your standard Stevie stuff, you know, like Love Struck and Pride and Joy. Uh, but he just had it all. You know, he could be multicultural and and pull it off. And his tone was just so emboldened. So I really dug him a lot. I still do. So was that like kind of what led you into playing guitar or had you already chose guitar? Well, I'd um I'd always been part of the music programs at school, so choir was kind of the first thing and uh and then guitar with the MTV generation, I think guitar picked me more than anything else. Um I just loved the image. I loved the power that someone with a guitar who knows how how to wield it looks and sounds so that's that's been my motivation i think so when you were a young musician what what did you see yourself as like a music instructor that you are today um you know i'd always have like a couple lessons throughout my um throughout my career i'd always have a couple students here and there um it wasn't until i moved out to colorado where i wanted to make it my main thing i've feel really inspired when I see someone who wants to learn an instrument, you know, and wants to carry on that tradition. So I think more than anything else, I think I get more from teaching than I do even my own playing because of the inspiration that I get from new players. So the teacher becomes the student. I honestly, I think that's the way I look at it now. You know, um, I find that I learn more from people's, not knowing than I do for my own knowing. So um, it might be kind of weird, but I, it's it's also there's an emotional thing tied to it because I looked up to my teachers and, you know, hopefully I inspire these kids and some of these adults to, again, carry that tradition of playing. So what was your early music like? Was it was it organized? Was was there like a specific genre you were trying to achieve? Um, what, what what was your early music career like? 
Well, when I first started playing, it was all blues. You know, it was Stevie Ray Vaughan, a lot of Jimmy, um, a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan, some B.B. King. I primarily did blues, and then metal and rock kind of started getting into the veins of my music. And uh, I've always had a hard rock edge. You know, that's probably why my jazz studies right now don't really want to take, because I always want to come in and play some power chord instead of a seventh chord or something like that, you know? <laughs> There's a reason they call it a power chord, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you the power, man. It's it's such a, like, that position is extremely powerful as a guitar player. You're you're open and, you know, your hands are in a pretty comfortable position, so you're you're able to do things. Do you do any of the guitar tricks? Do you throw your guitar around and, you know, do splits in the air and stuff like that? Or are you more focused on the actual art of playing the instrument? Uh, I think the the acrobatics are part of the show. Um, I don't really, I don't really buy into it. Um, but as far as power chord goes, you know, that harmony is so primitive. You know, it's so emotionally there that you can always go to it, you know? Um, but I, I really, I, I really enjoy the song form and the message and story that can be told in song form. So I've, that's been my focus lately is just writing songs. So when you're playing songs and writing the music, who are you writing it for? You know, sometimes the story doesn't come out. Like today I had a, I had a big block. I wrote a piece of music and I couldn't find the story. So I think that more than anything else, it's uh, I try to write for myself, but I know that there's someone gonna, that's going to listen to this. And there has to be a clarity of idea for someone to latch on to. And I feel like with most music, you know, we, you know, people don't understand that. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that, that necessarily. Um <laughs> There's two types of music. You know, there's uh, music that we ascribe meaning to and music that has meaning, that is given to us. And I think that music with words has a double tie to that. Sometimes we ascribe meaning and sometimes we take meaning. And I try to do my best to have a conversation with a listener. So with that said, how do you feel about today's music? Like, uh, you know, the modern rap era stuff that we're getting, all the mumble rap and... Kanye West and people like that. What what do you think that says to young musicians out there that are maybe playing music and learning new songs? What what do you think that promotes? Well, I think that today's music, um, I think most musicians try to downplay it or talk trash about it, but I in studying it for my students and learning, you know, all forms, like right now Imagine Dragons is a big deal. Um, I actually like the song form now. I think that we're exploring different spaces. You know, the separation of symbols from a chorus. Some some choruses don't even have symbols. I think that we're exploring new realms, and uh, I think more power to all the artists that are actually out there, you know, really expanding the form, you know? So when you're playing, how do you connect with the listeners? Is Is it something that you you actually physically do with your, your your personal look or do you find a way to 
perfect chord that everybody loves. You know, you know, everybody loves this chord, so I'm gonna use this song in every single song. I mean, is there is there a trick, or is that just something you'll learn throughout the years? I think that uh, you know, man is his own measure of the universe. So if it affects me emotionally, I'm a human. I hope that other people have the same type of feelings that I do. So. Again, I think that I'm my own metric for my own universe, and I'm looking into this place called life and um, as another person would, too. So is there a trick to connect with people? I think the, the trick is, are you emotionally secure enough with yourself to say, that one was bad? You know, or or even that one was good. It just it has to be. You have to be honest, and honesty is a. It's it's hard today, but it's always been hard. So, that's what I think about that. Right. Well, you guys might hear there's a fuzz in the background. That's because John's gonna play a song for us here. Um, it's actually called Song Week Five. Uh, do you have Do you have a title for this song, or is this just something that you kind of? Or working on for school or? I do a lot of stuff with, you know, school. I'm kind of expanding my training going through uh, Berkeley College of Music. Um, so right now I'm in the process of writing two songs a week just to, just to put material out there. So this one was something that I wanted it to be kind of almost Motown-y sounding. Um, didn't really pull it off that well, though. Uh, but... The progressions are cool. The changes are cool. Um, you know, it, it'll either end up being just a jam track or I'll end up writing actual lyrics over it. All right. Well, uh, here's the jam track with John actually jamming on it, too. So here, enjoy this track.
Thank you for that, John. That was pretty awesome. So when you're playing that, we left into that with something I didn't even write down, but I always ask, what 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 about self-doubt? Where do you come in with that? You, you kind of hinted that there's a, a bit of self-doubt there that you didn't quite hit the Motown feel and, you know, and I was, mm, and, you know, it, is there is there a point where you no longer really care about a genre and you just say, screw it, I'm going to play what I want to play? Well, I think that you have to. I think that, you know, like even that, I didn't necessarily want to put that out, but when uh, when you hear it, it's still music, you know? Is it a cool feeling? I I like the feeling of that song. Um, is it Motown-y? Mm. If I was being asked to give, you know, if I, if it was my music, cool. But if somebody was asking me for a Motowning, Motown sounding song, that wouldn't be the one that I'd give them, you know? <laughs> definitely. I mean, there's definitely a lacking of chicken picking and, oh, yeah. you know, some other stuff that are classic Motown vibes. But you know? that, that song, I think, it's not really a song yet, but that track is, uh, it's more, you know, more the realm, the realm of alternative, you know, if, if anything, you know. I feel like you can throw a Stevie style right up on top of it and kind of rock it in a blues vibe, or you can take it into like an alt vibe, like you were ta- saying. Oh, yeah. It kind of allows you to go. It's more like the base of a song, right? It's not the full song yet, like you were mentioning. Oh yeah. Well, you know, full song really at the end of the day, a song is a melody. You know, you could take out the whole band. You could take out the bass player. You could take out the drummer, and really, it's the words and a tune that make a song. You know. Right. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Yeah. Any any tune. You know? Right. Um, I f- I feel like genre is defined by the bass player and the drummer. You know, the end of the day, they're the most important people in the band um, because they define your sound, you know? So guitar players, we uh, we like to think that we're so unique and we're special snowflakes, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone everyone you know is, is running a, a pentatonic skill somewhere, you know? So you got to give your hats off to the uh, the drummer and the bass player because they, uh, they define your sound. At the end of the day, so so the sound is de- defined by the bass player. So here's a quote from a bass player. It's very loosely coded because I don't remember the exact wordings. Um, but Victor Wooten, who's a badass bass player, he's, he's phenomenal. If you haven't heard of him, look him up because he's he's a badass. Uh, he said that there's four levels of musicians. You know, one of them you know nothing and you're like completely free. And you just you have a hell of a good time, and you're you're really creative. You know, the second level, you know a little bit more, and so you start to lose a little bit of that fun, and it's it's in the opposite direction. You know, as you learn more, the fun comes down. You know, and then the third step is you know a little more in the middle of nothing's really all that fun, and you know just enough to get by. You know, and then there's the fourth level. I always kind of feel like you're kind of peaking at that fourth level now. You're starting to get into it. Um, do you feel like this is an accurate like guide of music? Because if it is, I'd rather be a one than a three. Yeah. Um, that that comes from the music lesson. Uh, one of uh, Victor Wooten's books, it's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, you should definitely read it. Um, 
I don't think that I take those four levels anymore. Um, I think that right now <clears throat> where I'm at is um, I'm trying to see music with my ears now. That's my goal. I want to visually see music as well as I visually look. So one of the things that uh, people catch me saying a lot is that you need to hear vividly. Um, and that includes hearing with your soul. So I think that um, I don't necessarily have any more levels that, that I put people in or have things in. I just think about it like um, like a light spectrum. How well can you see that light spectrum? Well, How bright is that? And yeah. are you colorblind? Yeah. And, you know, being able to hear vividly is, is uh, I think it's a lifelong task. So, so, what do you do to listen vividly? I want to know. I want to know. Tell me how you actually focus in on that. Well, as a as a player, you know, um, <clears throat> and not to not to get technical or anything, but you know, what what colors are you using? Can you hear those colors? Can you hear the difference when someone else is playing those colors? Um. Can you identify and grab those colors on your guitar immediately? That's what I mean by hearing hearing vividly. It's like if a, if somebody showed you the color blue, and uh, you grabbed one of the pens that was blue and you you produced that. That's that's where I'm at with my listening. I want to be able play to... me blue. Blue. <laughs> I think this is blue. green something green I kind of feel grass with that yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it sounds abstract but at the end of the day I mean I used to sit and listen to commercials and play the commercials like uh, on my guitar like one of the big examples that I always show people is uh in adjustion Diarrhea. <laughs> Try that. <laughs> you know, uh, those are colors. And uh, I, I, as a kid, and even now, will find myself watching a, a movie or, or watching television, and I'll be copying the commercials and learning the score to whatever, whatever movie I'm going to be watching. And it's just because I want, I want to play and hear and and be as aware of an artist as a, as I possibly can. What color was that? What color was that? I want to use that later. Um, so it's all a color palette, and then you take your palette and you start painting your pictures. So what's the picture today? Is the picture gloomy or is it bright? Is that is that what we're doing here? I think there's a lot of in-between. Uh, and uh, trying to catch the in-between of gloomy or sunny day is the, uh, it's the complexity of the human state. You know, not all our days are gloomy. Not all our days are sunshine. Sometimes it's in between. Sometimes you could be having an excellent career and no life, you know. Or at the same time, I mean, one of you know, one of the tragic analogies is, uh, you know, you could win the lottery one day but lose your wife the same. And how do you deal with that? You know, that's the complexity of life. Is is uh. And that emotional state is what I want to catch 
I want to catch that emotional state of it's not great and it's also not bad. It's our life. So do you ever feel like you need a team of people to do one thing? Like for me, I'm like right now I'm trying to post up a link on Facebook while I'm doing the interview and it's very difficult because I'm trying to maintain eye contact and and stuff like that and it's really hard to like look down at your phone and maintain eye contact. I believe that's next to impossible. Um do you find that it might be better if you had a team behind you to do things? To do what things? Like music and stuff and production and you know, like a band, but you know what how people do it nowadays. It's now it seems like nowadays it's a one man and then they go and hire you know, stage musicians to come work with them. And it's been that way for a while. Well, I think a team's always great. You know, um, finding the right team is the, the hard part, but more people is usually a better situation. Um, when you're trying to accomplish any project, uh, especially qualified, great people that you can get along with. And I honestly think the qualified part is actually less important than getting along with them. Right. You don't necessarily need to know how to play a bass or or DJ or do anything as long as you can get along with somebody, right? Man, if you can get along with it, if you have people that you can get along with, they're like, treat them like family and they treat you like family. You know, there's so many stories of all the great artists out there. You know, Lane Staley, he uh, he uh, he has his guitar player for, for a while, you know? Right. Um, It's all, all, all the great stories have these these amazing human characteristics behind them. You, you, you know, human stories of getting along. Um, there's nothing worse than being in a project where you hate everybody in there. There's <laughs> right. Less productive than that. That's what they said about Oasis. You know, like the Gallagher brothers didn't get along, and now it it sounds like they're going out on tour and like are working on a new album. It sounds like that's what I heard on on XM radio or whatever it was. Time heals some wounds, you know? Right. Well, I know like you were saying, you know, there's always some sort of story of, you know, like Lane Stanley's story, you know, you've had your ups and downs. I've had my ups and downs, you know, at one point there, you know, I opened my door for you and, you know, we've always, we've always treated each other like family and, you know, like brothers do, they fight and, you know, they go through, uh, tips and stuff like that. Do you feel like, uh, that, gets in the way of music at times or do you uh do you ever just just say screw it and move on and do your own thing well you always gotta have something that you're working on you know um i don't, I don't think things like that get in the way at all um you just like i said it's it's finding good people that you can get along with i i i've been in bands where you know players haven't played for more than a month, you know. Uh but with great personalities, you know, and good attitudes, you can get people to surprise you with what they can learn, you know. So I think good people you got to you got to remind yourself to to think good people around your life. So when you play music, what is the vibe that you're going for? Where does it come from? Do you do you pull from past experiences or stories that you've read and current events? So where do you get your your inspiration from? 
my inspiration? Well, my inspiration just comes from my drive that I have to to want to tell a story. Where these things come from, or the vibe that it comes from, it's it's me. You know, yeah, I try to show my perspective um, when I'm writing something that's that's mine. Um, I think that's the only place that you can come from. If you try to come from somewhere else, you come off fake. You know? So when you're doing a cover and you're playing a song, do you have to make it your own? Do you change it some way? Or well, do you we, ever play it exactly the way that it's written? You know, I have a... I have a great conflict with that question because, you know, I, I'm, I play in a cover band too, and they are all about reproducing the sound exactly. And I think it's because they have a nostalgic and almost a cathartic view on that music. But when they produ- reproduce it, they get the exact same feeling. But and the, that's important to people. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely important because when you, if you're able to reproduce something exactly, then you actually you you pull a cathartic memory memory out of someone and that feeling comes back like when i still listen to the queens of the stone age the red album with the radio what was the name of that album oh uh songs Songs of of the the death Death. yeah yeah that album's amazing that album's amazing but the thing is is i'll tell you something that if you if you put on that record i am stoned <laughs> I have that problem. I have a um Radiohead album where if I put it on, I'm I'm right back on an acid trip and I can't listen to that album because yeah, no, it puts me on an acid trip every time. And I can't put on that St- Queens of Stone Age record because I will be immediately high, very very high. <laughs> so, you know, there is that aspect, but then you know, one of my one of my Favorite artist is a perfect circle, and and the way they do covers, I love the way they do covers because they make them their own. And a perfect example of that is the Johnny Cash cover of Hurt. It's not exactly the same; uh, it's his own. Um, but when you're, I playing, love his version too. Oh yeah, his version is probably the best. But you know, the, this is when you're when you're recording artist, you you have the liberty to do that. Um, with a cover band, you're 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 at the realms of people who don't want to hear something new. They want to hear their song. They want to hear how great you can do Chain of Fools, how close you can come to Aretha Franklin. As a recording artist, I think that you can re-record things, put it out there in the ether, and, and you know, the public will be the judge. That's why we, we can say Johnny Cash's version is great, you know, or uh, Perfect Circle's uh, Imagine is, is great. Uh, but when... Uh, when you're in the lowly, the lowly, uh, when you're lowly in the attention of the attention of the world, people usually just want to hear the song. Right. Yeah. They just want to hear a jukebox. You know, I was talking with one of my DJ buddies on the show about being a jukebox DJ. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have to take requests in your live band? We typically don't have to because most of the requests we hear, we already play. So, you know, they'll call out Chain of Fools and they'll call out a Journey song or they'll call out whatever, whatever cover we do, you know. Uh, I, the guys in my band, they, they have really good taste in, in, in knowing what an audience wants. So uh, I, uh, I really appreciate those guys just because they you don't really have to fight too much about anything. They're really talented guys with really good taste in music and... Um, I'm actually pretty blessed to be with them. Right, right on. So, 
uh, with your your own personal music, you were saying the other day we were talking on the phone, and you were saying that you were thinking of going into like scoring for film and and TV. What what sparked that? Are are you using other instruments, and you know what other instruments are you using? With that, um, I kind of write for whatever project is asked for. So if it's a song with lyrics and everything else, I'll I'll do that. Um, or you know, I'll if it's something else, I I do play a couple other instruments. So um, I will pick something up to do that. It's just right now the the focus with that is all in in my songwriting because at this point I want to transition to 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 solo work. Um, I think the doing stuff for TV and film, I think that I have a voice that will move you in a certain montage, you know? I just have to find the montage. Right. Well, here, play us a loop. Let's hear what you got. What's that? I don't know. Give us a loop. Something. Play it. Yeah, play us something. I totally just put them on the spot right now. pretty cool so you know the world is changing and i'm kind of looking at it like there's going to be an issue at a certain point where automation and technology takes over everything out there and music has already been long in this direction since you know the 70s and they were using big giant machine consoles with flying faders a program that's actually called flying faders and it had this full algorithm that makes them the you know the volume faders move and and they have all these other automation techniques that have been around for quite some time in music what are you doing to keep up with technology and stay future driven well, always advancing your training, uh, like I do now. I do take uh, <clears throat> taking a lot of technology courses throughout my life. I I think that constant training, asking yourself, you know, can you go in the guise of someone that might know something more than you and learn a little bit about them, uh, about what they know or their specialty. Um, as far as the world of automation goes, uh, that's a scary place. Um because right now the world wants to automate everything. And I think that, I don't think that we are conscious of driving ourselves out of a purpose. So I fear a future where we automate everything and forget that people needed jobs. 
So I was watching something. I forget what it was, and they were comp- uh, comparing. Oh no! Here it's it's a great link. It's uh, on YouTube, and it's called "Human Need Not Apply," and uh, they talk about automation and how horses at one point back in the 1890s and 1920s, you know, until that period, there was a million horses. Everywhere you went, there was a horse. The poor people who had horses, everybody had horses, right? Everywhere you looked, there was a sea of horses. Where are the horses now? Right. I'm sure, you know, compared to populations, yeah, look at that, right? I think, uh, I don't think that our government is forward thinking enough to consider the average person losing his trucking job or, you know, in the realm of music, it's, it's happened more and more. We work with less and less. We used to have uh, orchestras for all our, uh, all our music on TV. And now if you go to enough class and, you know, uh, taping of the Simpsons, the read section's gone. You know, they barely have a string section. And it's all done by a piano. One piano. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a, it's a sad state. And um, my hope is that social media um, brings music back to the realm that I believe it could be, which is lucrative to any musician that wants to do it, wants to do music, you know? So... With technology, do you use these tools? Like, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you here. I got a, a thing, and I want to jam here real quick. I got, I got a little drum pad thing okay. all light up. It's all on the iPad. Do you use tools like that? Do you find yourself, you know, going to your iPad so that you can play a loop and then play a drum thing back, and then you're recording? And you know, we have all these devices. If anybody can see my, my setup to do this show, it's absolutely absurd. You know, I got two computers and two tablets and controllers and microphones everywhere. Do you find that that's necessary or can you tone it down? Well, I think that we, you know, I like to use those tools. Um, Given a great drummer and those tools combined, I think you can make some really cool things. Um, But being familiar with them and knowing how to use them, I think I'd, I'd tell everybody to learn. Uh, especially if you're trying to produce your own music, you you know, you might not have a drummer right now. Um, knowing how to use those tools can help you create a great groove and maybe inspire a drummer to drum for you. So, so show us what we can do with it. We'll see. Oh, yeah. The noise machine got to get turned on.
technical difficulties there. I, I, <laughs> I right. think uh, I think that loop the, the loop station set up for a, a certain tempo. I have to reset that thing. Oh right. Yeah, yeah what a pain in the ass. <laughs> technology. technology. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why it'd be great just to have a guy here who can who can play those chords for me. You know. Right. Where are you, dude? We need a chord player. <laughs> so when you play a chord, does D ever variate from sounding like D or does, you know, like you're, you're associating a color to it. Is there other things you do? Do you hear a, like a picture sometimes when you play a chord? Because there's multiple notes. You stack those notes on top of each other and like, you know, you know, this is a grass painting or, you know, this is a sky painting or this is a mountain painting. Yeah, uh, all chords, you can give them names, but they're like words, you know, in context, you can take a chord, and um, just like your words, you can make the word what sound like seven different things in context, right? Um, I could ask you what, and that would be, you know, repeat yourself, or I could say what, and that would be them fighting words, you know? Yeah, that's that's stepping two. Yeah, so I think chords should be treated more like colors. Um, And yeah, in context, we can even juxtapose different chords and different colors and create some really cool sounds. I think that's what modal jazz does, you know. A lot of the really cool, really cool artists, one of the the artists that inspires me right now is uh, um, a piano player by the name of Hiromi. Um, She has this... The song called Elements of Fire. It's this uh, this really it's in a C sharp. It's a, it's an amazing piece. It's the Elements of Fire, and you can really get into it. She plays with a Colombian harpist who uh, who plays on a on a diatonic um, diatonic harp. And if uh, if you have describe heard, a diatonic harp, what is that? Is that like a special chord or something? Oh yeah, basically it's it's in a key. It's so you take out all the chromatic, all the bad notes, and uh, and the way that I mean these these players are so fast, and they take you through an experience of eight minutes in this piece, and I just I'm blown away by them. And so I uh, I lately I've been more about treating things like colors than than you know calling something a particular thing, you know. It's, a, it's kind of a really abstract way to think about it. So what really, what, what is the reward at the end of the day? What, what is the reward? Why do you keep coming back? Coming back to music? Yeah. Um, What's the reward, you know? What, why are you doing it? I don't think it's a reward more than a, a state of being. I think that if you took music out of my life, I wouldn't be happy so it's an expression it's a way for you to express yourself through so mean like when you're when you're upset or when you're happy it's it's a a release i mean it's it's just like it's a state of being it's when you're whenever you ask a musician why are they a musician i mean the, the answer they i think they always want to give is that it's who i am that's so from even, from birth, even, yeah, it's not even about expression. It's that this thing that's in my life, it makes me happy 
to fail, to succeed, everything about it, uh, the identity of it. It comes playing from that. in front of a, a, a two person crowd or playing in front of a four thousand person crowd, there's no difference, right? Try to make it no difference. Although although I've met some I met I, I've met a couple people who who you want the those two people made the crowd, you know? You have you play shows where like you know what, honestly those two people could be the only people in the crowd and it would be just as fun. Right. You know, because they made the crowd, you know, so uh, I hate to sound jaded, but I don't really like American audiences. Um, <laughs> oh, have you been somewhere else to be in an audience? Yeah, uh, we've been down to Peru. Peru is amazing. It's South America in general. Um, I think that's why a lot of bands right now during the wintertime are going down to South America is because uh, they've realized that those crowds are fanatical they haven't had it like we have it in the united states so we don't you know go to a show and you know <laughs> look at our phones over right. there you know they're fanatical. watch it they're... watch the show through the phone yeah, so you got to make it so that your show is designed to be photo friendly now yeah i know i think it's, uh, it's south americans i think they're <laughs> beautiful people and uh they're fanatical about you know soccer they're fanatical fanatical that energy is 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 not something that you experience on a very no, on like on an often thing in the United States. Right. In the U.S., you know, you could go to a show like a a Lincoln Park show, you know, and they're giving it their all like they always do. But if you're in the audience in that big field, you'll see lambasters, people who who aren't even watching the show. They're not even watching the. Sh- they're not even listening. You know. Um, and it's hard to believe that someone would pay $75, $150 or plus not to even listen to the, the show. What's the point, right? Show up with your phone and post on Facebook, I guess. <laughs> Say I was there? Yeah. So, you know, I had Guy on the show, Guy An- or Guy Az- Giro Azaza. <laughs> I know him as, as another name than he goes by. Wow. Um <laughs> So uh, he, I had him on the show, and he was talking about how different music is. But, you know, they're not really playing, you know, anything different. They're using, you know, equipment that may not be as nice as some of our equipment, you know, and it's a little dated. But now, like he was saying, with the with the Internet, they're now getting better equipment. and You know, they're able to get stuff shipped down there easier, more suppliers. One point I know they had very limited supplies down in South America, but you know, do you think that that kind of creates a situation where you end up being more creative and you get better music out of it? Like when we were young, we used to write some really killer music, and and now today I think our music is like nowhere near as qualified as it used to be. Do you think maybe as we get older? There's a part of our creativity that dies because we now follow a pattern of something that we think is great instead of creating what is great. Um, I think some people fall into that. I think uh, I think some people don't want to put the effort to listen to new music, you know, um, and we fall into kind of like uh, a niche. Um, I try to do my best not to do that. Um, 
but then at the end of the day, you know, what 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 is great? You know, I have a I have a, an accordion student that I really he's a pretty talented kid. He has a really good ear. Um, but if you asked him what was cool, uh, he would say ranchera. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Not not believer by Imagine Dragons, which he knows how to play, or Despacito, which he knows how to play. That stuff's all right. But what's awesome is ranchera and the button accordion. You know, um, and again, I think it goes back to you know being honest. Uh, what is honestly you? And I think falling into maybe your niche is your honest you, your honest self. So, you know. Which way is better? I think that we should always be trying to expand our 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 listening um, to find a a new spot because we always change. We're changing as we grow older, so hopefully our music changes with us. But you know, who's to say that that punk rock guy who ends up being you know punk rock from fourteen to ninety, you know, you could still have that guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right, right. That guy will always be around, you know, dying with the mohawk. See, my ex-wife used to tell me to wear my freak drag on the inside instead of having that on the outside. And that's when I stopped wearing my mohawk. And then I brought it back briefly. And now I got I got rid of it again to go back into the the world of working and, you know, being, you know, uh, or conformant. Do you find that you have to conform? You've let your hair grow and stuff like that. You've chosen a path that, you know, seems to have some freedom. Is there a purpose behind that? Uh, the way that I look? Or what do you mean? No, like being able to, like, express yourself through image and everything. Because, you know, a lot of places and stuff, you have to wear your freak rag on the inside, you know. Like, can't have mohawks oh, and, yeah. you know, crazy appearances, no piercings on the face. And I mean, wh- where does that come into play? Well, I mean, I don't really put too much into the the image of things anymore. I think, uh, you know, it just feels it feels so yesterday to have that image thing. But at the same time, when you grab that phone, you gotta take a picture of someone and you define them as their certain genre. Um, I don't know. I think that honestly, I've I've made a very conscious effort not to work for someone. Um, and, you know, specifically a boss, specifically with a W-2 form and uh, a check-in, you know, a, a, a little time stamp. I've made, I a conscious, I've made a conscious decision never to do that again. I do not want someone to have that kind of control over me ever, ever again. So I really... You know, this, this might be sounding a little bit political, but I honestly think that's that's the tyranny of the workplace in in a in a place that we call democracy. Uh, why do we have tyrannies as workplaces? I just don't believe in them anymore. I don't believe that as a necessary reality. I think that that's that tyranny needs to die. And <laughs> I, if I can contribute by not being part of it then um, more power to me and hopefully I can inspire other people to get rid of the tyranny of the workplace. So do you think that music has a place in the political world? Oh, it does. You know, it's every Republican campaign has gone with, I I ain't going to take it, you know, 
um, we use music as ritual and uh, the, the political political realm and the political rally has this ritualistic part to it where it has to invoke a feeling and who better than the best music to do that. Um, I'm going to delve into the, the, you know, a lot of these artists are saying, well, you can't use my music for this political person or that political person. Um, to those artists, I always tell them, you know, or want to tell them, I don't get to talk to them very often, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not theirs anymore, you know? So you, once you write the song, it's no longer yours. Once it, once you put it out there and it, you've made it somebody else's song and somebody else can stake claim to it, it's no longer their song. Man, if someone listens to a song and it hits them, it's their song. You can't take that away from them. You can't. Take, you can't. You can't take that feeling away from them. No, like. No, because it's a moment, right? It's a moment that they experience and they're gonna keep. You know, uh, when I was younger, I used to crash courses at like, you know, different places in Washington D.C., like Georgetown and, and Washington uh, University. And one of the professors caught me once, and I told him, "Well, I'm keeping what I got." <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, "Sit back down." <laughs> And that, that's that's what I mean. Is like you 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 can't you can, these artists can't say it's their song. It's not really their song. Um, I'm sure by a legal standpoint they can say, okay, well we deserve to get paid for it, the use of it. But at the end of the day, they always try to act like it's their song. It's not. You know, you you don't own those experiences that people had with those songs. So I, I firmly believe that every song's already been written by the Beatles and anything afterwards is just a rewrite of a Beatles song. I don't I don't agree with that. But I, I think that I think that right now there is so much creativity out there. The, the the modern pop song is becoming more complex with with the syncopation and the lyrical melody. Um I think a lot of the moods that they did were were, were great and there's nothing wrong with the Beatles. The Beatles is one of the greatest Genres of <laughs> their own genre, uh, right? All time, but, I mean, they have what, what is it, a nine album collection or something like that? No, they're amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think that all the new artists, the ones that are putting out um, music and being prolific, I think that they're coming out with some really original things. And I applaud all the genres out there that are really pushing the envelope. I see your creativity i see their creativity and i really appreciate it it's refreshing so you know is it difficult to come up with an original idea or does it just kind of flow to your fingertips as part of that thing or do you always find that you're do you find that you're you're referencing something else ever and like kind of following a pattern or you know, an actual formula that's, you know, there is a formula for writing a pop song. Do you find that you're following that and not giving yourself room to grow? Do you find that that ever gets in the way and you step away from it? Or do you find that that formula isn't necessary? Uh, I think that, uh, I think the song form is, uh, it's important to have structure. You can't, you can't, well, you can, but it's not always good. Uh, you can't be absolutely abstract all the time. 
think absolutely abstract all the time gets a little tired. So to have something to draw inside the lines with so that you still have a picture, I think that's a it's a it's a good place to be. Like even Les Claypool, you know, comes in on a you know, a formula, even though it's very abstract and well, yeah, even 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 he will. But that's, that's that's the nature of music. You know, the nature of music is that it there has to be order to it. Um, and whether that order be the song form or whether the order be uh, a sequence, uh, whatever that order may be, there has to be a pattern that someone can latch onto. Otherwise, it's random noise, and random noise is cool too. You know, I, sorry, like I I find that cool, like the Planet of the Apes uh, soundtrack. I think that is awesome. I could sit there and listen to that all day. So what's um, the loudest note? Silence. You know, there's nothing more like the, the, the Mars Volta song that cuts out for like 30 seconds. Oh, God, I always thought that there was like the song was over and I'd just skip over I, it. I think that I think they they when they recorded that they sat there and tested how long it took someone to realize the music was off while they were stoned, <laughs> realize the music was off, go to the CD player and see what's wrong with it, and right before you got to the CD, <laughs> it, went, it started up again, so that it freaked you out. Um, I think they Mr. Bungle does it, too. I think, I think they, they purposely do. I love that. <clears throat> That's another trick in song form, is just the empty silence, you know? Um, those guys do it drastically, but you know, uh, when a chorus pops and you have a, si- a silence right before a reverse symbol and that reverse symbol comes in and really hits on an 808, there's nothing more powerful. So I think that the loudest note that you can get is silence. Um, I think also that that on a spiritual thing is, is, is also true that your loudest self is your most silent self, the one that's listening. Huh. So, so do you find that that music and your your spiritual self and you know your emotional state and all that they're all kind of intertwined together and you know that like a painter would be painting a painting of what what his soul feels. Your your songs they come out like that too, right? Yeah, um, and I think that the again the meaning changes when you have uh, an audience that might then ascribe a meaning onto that that song that you thought you wrote for yourself. Uh, they could give you a completely different perspective on it and a completely different meaning. So I think that's that's you. If you're listening to people, you can let that happen to your music. So do you, do you write with the intent to have a listener make their own interpretation of it? Uh, I think that that's something that you consider, but you still want it to tell a story. It's nothing's anything in music. You could take uh, Vivaldi and you can sit there and go, oh, I don't know exactly what the story was, but there was a story there. There was some sort of chase going on, right? Right. Oh, or, you know, if it has words, you try to make those words resound with meaning. One of the, the, the Oasis is a good example. Um, you ever, you ever ask someone what champagne supernova in the sky is? <laughs> what is um, it? I've always wondered. You know, to, to me, um, champagne supernova is when you party too much. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, hell yeah. You've you like exploded and you're done. You're and done. 
You've just vomited everywhere of yeah, freaking champagne. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you look at the words, you know, you might find that meaning, but for someone else, they just like the way those two words sound, you know? They didn't even think of those two words for another person. For another person, they don't even consider it. They just know? think of, wait, wait, what, huh? <laughs> but, you know, to me, that, that that's what it is. Um, so I don't know. I, I It's just, that's the way that, that that rolls. You still have everybody's perspective and, Really, it's it's music. It's no different than cooking. Um, so when you're writing a song, do you write in tense? Like, do you have a present tense set of scales that you use and a past tense that make you feel like you're, you know, like... Oh, no. No, there's not so scary about it. I think when we're well, writing music, yes, we do speak in past and present tense, but the colors that we lay on top of it, don't, I don't think there's associations with us. Right. So do you, but you do, do you have like different, uh, like palettes say, you know, you have a bold color, you have, you know, you have your pastels and then you have your watercolors and, you know, like a painter would use different mediums. Do you, as a guitar player, I know you're a multi-instrumentalist, so you had mentioned it. You, you play, uh, anything with the G string, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think obviously the timbre of every instrument is going to create a different sound and a different resonance with you. And then obviously the combinations of those sounds give you a, a color texture. If you want something to sound um, moody or dark, I have, you know, I pick colors that I specifically associate to those colors. If I want something bright, you know, I'll, I'll find some some chord or some chord changes that really represent that. Do you have to use a different tool sometimes? Like, do you have to have the multiple guitars? So you have one, so you have one guitar for, for one sound. You have another guitar for another sound. You know, are they like your paintbrushes kind of? Oh yeah. The, the different instruments are the different paintbrushes and the sounds that we get are the colors, you know? So we got the thick paintbrushes and we got the thin, the thin uh, paintbrushes. So your fender today, what paintbrush is that? Is that your hot rod? Oh, this is the, the I want to be bluesy today. <laughs> yeah, what about this new uh, this new Gibson that you got here, the SG? Uh, the SG, that is my uh, power guitar. So when I want to play power chords, that, that does it there. Um, you know, every time I want just something powerful. So I'm going to play a hard, a hard lead line that's going to be on that SG there. Well, thanks for coming on the show today. It was a lot of fun to have you here. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, look for it, for his information down in the info and, you know, continue checking out what's going on. Thanks for listening. Show your support by subscribing and sharing. Music from people I know.